Thank you very much. I'm working very hard for you, I will tell you. And sometimes you don't make it easy, and I certainly don't make it easy on you. And I will continue that tradition, if I might, this morning. And, Arthur, I don't know if I agree with you. But I don't know if Arthur's going to like what I'm going to say. But I love listening to you. It's really great. Thank you very much. And thank you, Congressman, for the great job you've been doing and the relationship and uh, the help. You're a warrior. Thank you very much. And Kevin, you're a warrior. Thank you. The job you've done is incredible. It wasn't supposed to be that way. A lot of extra work, unnecessary work. It's wonderful to be with the thousands of religious believers for the 68th annual National Prayer Breakfast. I've been here from the first one where I had the privilege of being asked. I've been with you for a long time before that. And uh, we've made tremendous progress, tremendous progress. You know what we've done. I don't think anybody's done more than all of us together during this last three years. Everybody knows my family, our great country, and your president have been put through a terrible ordeal by some very dishonest and corrupt people. They have done everything possible to destroy us and by so doing very badly hurt our nation. They know what they are doing is wrong, but they put themselves far ahead of our great country. Weeks ago and again yesterday, courageous Republican politicians and leaders had the wisdom, fortitude, and strength to do what everyone knows was right. I don't like people who use their faith as justification for doing what they know is wrong. Nor do I like people who say, I pray for you, when they know that that's not so. So many people have been hurt, and we can't let that go on. And I'll be discussing that a little bit later at the White House. We're joined today by two people whose Faith inspires us all. Our amazing, wonderful friend, Vice President Mike Pence, and his wonderful wife, Karen. Thank you. Thank you, Karen. 
Thank you to all of our great political leaders out there, so many that I've been working with so hard over the last three years, and we've accomplished so much. And to members of my cabinet in attendance, Secretary Mike Pompeo, Mark Esper, David Bernhardt, Gene Scalia, Alex Azar, Ben Carson, Dan Broilette, Betsy DeVos, Robert Wilkie, and Administrator Jovita Carranza. Joining us for this cherished tradition are a lot of friends in the audience. Many really have become uh, friends. They are political leaders. They become great friends. That's all I get to meet anymore. That and the enemies and the allies, and we have them all. We have allies. We have enemies. Sometimes the allies are enemies, but we just don't know it. <laughs> but we're changing all that. But thank you all, and thank you all for being here. I also want to welcome foreign dignitaries from more than 140 countries. That's something. <laughs> something. Everyone here today is united by a shared conviction. We know that our nation is stronger, our future is brighter, and our joy is greater when we turn to God and ask him to shed his grace on our lives. On Tuesday, I addressed Congress on the State of the Union and the great American comeback. That's what it is. Our country has never done better than it is doing right now. Our economy is the strongest it has ever been. And for those of you that are interested in stocks, it looks like the stock market will be way up again today. According to the latest Gallup poll that just came out a little while ago, a few minutes ago, American satisfaction is at the highest level ever recorded. Can you imagine? And that's from Gallup, no friend of mine. Ninety percent of Americans say they are satisfied with their personal lives. How about that? Isn't that something? Just came out today. They must have known I was going to be here. In everything we do, we are creating a culture that protects freedom and that includes religious freedom. As I said on Tuesday in the House chamber, in America, we don't punish prayer. We don't tear down crosses. We don't ban symbols of faith. We don't muzzle preachers. We don't muzzle pastors. In America, we celebrate faith. We cherish religion. We lift our voices in prayer. And we raise our sights to the glory of God. So much of the greatness we have achieved, the mysteries we've unlocked and the wonders we've built, the challenges we've met, and the incredible heights that we've reached has come from the faith of our families and the prayers of our people. 
Before America declared independence, patriots in all 13 colonies came together in days of fasting and prayer. In the bitter cold of Valley Forge, Washington and his men had no food. Okay, so I am uh, interrupting the breakfast airing so we can listen to President Trump live right now giving his speech after the impeachment. Here we go. The president's legal team has entered the room. gentlemen, the President of the United States. Here we go. The President of the United States. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much, everybody. Wow. We've all been through a lot together, and uh, we probably deserve that hand for all of us because uh, it's been a very unfair situation. Uh, I invited some of our very good friends, and we have limited room, but everybody wanted to come. We kept it down to a minimum, and believe it or not, this is a minimum. Uh, But a tremendous thing was done over the last number of months, but really, if you go back to it over the last number of years, we had the witch hunt. It started from the day we came down the elevator, myself and our future First Lady, who's with us right now. Thank you, Melania.
And it never really stopped. Uh, we've been going through this now for over three years. Uh, it was evil. It was corrupt. It was dirty cops. Uh, it was leakers and liars. And this should never, ever happen to another president, ever. I don't know that other presidents would have been able to take it. Some people said, no, they wouldn't have. But I can tell you, at a minimum, uh, you have to focus on this because it can get away very quickly. No matter who you have with you, it can get away very quickly. It was a disgrace. Uh, had I not fired James Comey, who was a disaster, by the way, uh, it's possible I wouldn't even be standing here right now. We caught him in the act. Dirty cops, bad people. If this happened to President Obama, a lot of people would have been in jail for a long time already, many, many years. Uh, I want to start by thanking some of, and I call them friends, because, you know, you develop friendships and relationships when you're in battle and war, much more so than, gee, let's have a normal situation. With all that we've gone through, we've done, I think, more than any president and administration. And really, I say, for the most part, Republican congressmen, congresswomen, and Republican senators, we've done more than any administration in the first few years. You look at all of the things we've done. I watched uh, this morning as they tried to take credit for the stock market from from, think of that. Let me tell you, if we didn't win, the stock market would have crashed. And the market was going up a lot before the election because it was looking like we had a good chance to win. And then it went up tremendously from the time we won the election till the time we took office, uh, which was November 8th to January 20th. And that's our credit. That's all our credit. And leading up to that point was our credit because there was hope and one of the reasons the stock market's gone up so much in the last few days is people think we're doing so well. They liked the State of the Union speech. It really is. It's a true honor to give it. And making the State of the Union speech, I was with some people that have been around. They've been all over the world. And one of them said, highly sophisticated person, said, you know, no matter where you go in the world, it doesn't make any difference. There is nothing like what I witnessed tonight. The beauty, the majesty of the chamber, uh, the power of the United States, the power of the people in this room. Uh, really an amazing evening. I don't think there is anything like that anywhere in the world. You can go to any other country. You can go to any other location, any other place. It's the beauty of everything. It's what it represents and how it represents our country. I want to start by introducing some of the people that are here. I know some are going to be left out, but they work so hard. And this is really not a news conference. It's not a speech. It's not anything. It's just we're sort of uh, it's a celebration because we have something that just worked out. I mean, it worked out. We went through hell unfairly, did nothing wrong, did nothing wrong. I've done things wrong in my life, I will admit. Not purposely, but I've done things wrong. But this is what the end result is.
Um, you can take that home, honey. Maybe we'll frame it. It's the only good headline I've ever had in the Washington Post. I tell you. But every paper is the same. Does anybody have those papers? Does anybody have them? Because they're really uh, like that, so I appreciate that. Uh, but some of the people here have been incredible warriors. They're warriors. And there's nothing from a legal standpoint. This is a political thing. And every time I'd say, this is unfair, let's go to court, they say, sir, you can't go to court. This is politics. And we were treated unbelievably unfairly. And you have to understand, uh, we first went through Russia, Russia, Russia. It was all bullshit. We then went through the Mueller report. And they should have come back one day later. They didn't. They came back two years later, after lives were ruined, after people went bankrupt, after people lost all their money. People came to Washington to help other people. Bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, I say. They came, one or two or three people in particular, but many people. We had a rough campaign. It was nasty. It was one of the nastiest, they say. They say, Andrew Jackson was always the nastiest campaign. Uh, they actually said, we topped it. It was a nasty, it was a nasty both in the primaries and in the, in the election. But you see, we thought after the election it would stop, but it didn't stop. It just started. And tremendous corruption. Tremendous corruption. So we had a campaign. Little did we know we were running against some very, very bad and evil people with fake dossiers with all of these horrible, dirty cops that took these dossiers and did bad things. They knew all about it. The FISA courts should be ashamed of themselves. Uh, it's a very tough thing. And then we ended up winning on Russia, Russia, Russia. It should have taken the one day, as I said, and it took years. Then Bob Mueller testified. That didn't work out so well for the other side. <laughs> but they should have said that first week, because it came out. Is that right, Jim Jordan? They knew in the first two days, actually. Devin, is that right? Two days. They knew that we were totally innocent. But they kept it going, Mark. They kept it going forever. Because they wanted to inflict political pain on somebody that had just won an election that, to a lot of people, was surprised. I mean, we had polls that said we were going to win. We had Los Angeles Times, and a few, a few papers actually said it was we were going to win, but it was going to be close. And uh, we did win. It was one of the greatest wins of all time. And they said, okay, he won. And, you know, I wrote this down because that was where a thing called the insurance policy, to me, when I saw the insurance policy, and that was done long before the election, that was done when they thought that Hillary Clinton was going to win. And by the way, Hillary Clinton and the DNC paid for millions, millions of dollars, the fake dossier. And now Christopher Steele admits that it's a fake because he got sued by rich people I should have sued him, too. But when you're president, people don't like suing. I want to thank my legal team, by the way, not for that advice, but for <laughs> other advice.
Pat, Jay, Pat, you guys stand up, please. Great job. Right at the beginning, they said, sir, you have nothing to worry about. All of the facts are on your side. I said, you don't understand. That doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. And that was really true. They made up facts. A corrupt politician named Adam Schiff made up my statement to the Ukrainian president. He brought it out of thin air. Just made it up. They say he's a screenwriter, a failed screenwriter. He tried to go in. Unfortunately, he went into politics after that. <laughs> Remember, he said the statement, which is a mob statement. Don't call me. I'll call you. I didn't say that. Fortunately, for all of us here today and for our country, we had transcripts. We had transcribers, professional transcribers. Then they said, oh, well, maybe the transcription is, is not correct. But Lieutenant Colonel Vindman and his twin brother, right? We had some people that, really amazing. But we did everything. We said, what's wrong with it? Well, they didn't add this word or that. It didn't matter. I said, add it. They're probably wrong, but add it. So now everyone agrees that they were perfectly accurate. When you read those transcripts, Tim Scott, I don't know if Tim's here, but he said, Sir, he's the first one to call me. Sir, I read the transcript. You did nothing wrong. And Mitch, he stayed there right from the beginning. He never changed. And Mitch McConnell, I want to tell you, you did a fantastic job. Somebody said, you know, Mitch is quiet. And I said, he's not quiet. He's not quiet. These are the people. He doesn't want people to know him. And they said, is Mitch smart? I said, well, let's put it this way. For many, many years, a lot of very smart, bad in many cases, sometimes good, but people have been trying to take his place and to the best of my knowledge, I've never even heard the subject come up because they've been wiped out so fast. This guy is great, and I appreciate it, Mitch. And he's also given us 191 now. 191 federal judges, two Supreme Court judges, right? We're up to 191. Yeah. Great guy. Great guy. He's a tough guy to read. I'm good at reading people. Tough guy to read. I'd call him. My wife would say, how'd you do with Mitch? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> That's what makes him good, when you can read somebody. Fantastic job. And he understood right from this was crooked politics. This was crooked politics. How about all these people? They're running for office. They're saying the worst things about me, like eight senators on the Democrat side. Most of them got wiped out. You know, they got their 1% or less. Most of them got less. They decided to go home. Let's go back to California. Let's go back to wherever they came from. Let's go back to New York. How about that one? Our New York senator, Gillibrand. 
Let's go back to New York after they get nothing. And then they take an oath that they will be fair, that they will be reasonable, you know, all of the different things that they had to sign. They're not fair. But here's the beauty. So we have four left. They're saying the most horrendous things about me. It's okay. It's politics. And then they're supposed to vote on me. They're trying to replace me. And then they're supposed to be voting. So I think it's, I mean, I think it's incredible. But so, Mitch, I want to thank you very much. Incredible. And you have some of your folks here. And they're incredible people. And they've been right from the beginning. And again, you're out of session, unfortunately. I didn't, you know, I only told these folks, let's do this today. We did a prayer breakfast this morning. And I thought that was really good. In fact, that was so good it might wipe this out. But by the end, by the time we finish, this will wipe that one out, those statements. <laughs> I had... Uh, I had Nancy Pelosi sitting four seats away, and I'm saying things that a lot of people wouldn't have said, but I meant every, <laughs> I meant every word of it. But we have uh, some of the folks that are going to be leaving right after this, and they work hard, and they did work hard. Uh, Bill Cassidy, Senator. Stand up, Bill. What a guy. Great man, when I need to know about health insurance and pre-existing conditions and individual mandates, I call Bill, or I call Barrasso. We get those two guys, they know more than anybody. Uh, a man who just became a senator, he's a little bit like me. We have a couple of them. Very successful guy in business, and he said, what the hell? I'll run for the Senate from Indiana. And he ran, and I saw him on television destroying his opponent in a debate. I said, you know, this guy could win, and I got behind him. And Mike Braun, you have done some great job. Thank you very much. Tough. Tough. Thank you. A man who got James Comey to choke. And he was just talking in his regular voice. He's the roughest man. He's actually a, unbelievable, and I appreciate the letter you sent me today. I just got it. But he's got this voice that scares people. <laughs> you know, people from Iowa can be very tough. We're doing very well in Iowa. But I'll tell you, Chuck Grassley, he's looking to call me. Well, you tell me, what did you say? <laughs> now, he wasn't being rough. That was just the way he talked. And that was when Comey, I think that was when Comey announced that he was leaking, lying, and everything else, right? He choked because he never heard anybody talk like that. You know, you should have gone, if, I wish you got angry. You could have gotten the whole ball game. He would have said, I give up. Chuck Grassley is an incredible guy. And a man who, uh, you know, he was running against a tough, smart campaigner. We learned out how good she was, right? She was a great campaigner. In fact, by the end of the campaign, she was actually, I thought she was more for me than you were, Josh. I was worried. <laughs> I saw her ads. She was saying the greatest things about me. And you know who I'm talking about? And I went to a great place, Missouri. And I said, who do you have to beat her? And they said, well, we have four people. I said, let me see them. I got to interview people. Can you imagine I'm interviewing people for the United States Senate? This is what I do. 
Where have I gone? But I love it. I love it because we're getting great people. The first one I met was Josh Hawley. After about 10 minutes, I said to the people, don't show me anybody else. This is the guy. He was the attorney general, did a phenomenal job in the state, highly respected. And Claire McCaskill. So the theory was you couldn't beat her. Great campaign. I remember the last campaign she was going to be taken. She was always going to be taken out and she wins. And people say, how did that happen? Didn't happen with him. But she got so friendly toward me. In fact, one of the ads I still have, I'm putting it in the archives, is one of the best ads I've ever made. And she tried to convince people that we were best friends. But Josh ended up winning by five or six points. You were unbelievable. You were tough. And you are something. And one of the greatest supporters on the impeachment hoax was Josh Hawley. He was incensed, actually. I watched him. He was incensed at what they were doing and what they were saying. And those were the ones. You know, I had some that said, oh, I wish he didn't make the call. And that's okay. If they need that, it's, it's incorrect. It's totally incorrect. And then you have some that used religion as a crutch. They never used it before. An article written today, never heard him use it before. But today, you know, it's one of those things. But, you know, it's a failed presidential candidate, so things can happen when you fail so badly running for president. But Josh Hawley, I want to thank you. You were right from the beginning. Man, did I make a good choice. Thank you, Jeff. Tremendous future. A man who is brilliant and who actually was deceived to an extent, comes from a great state, Utah, where my poll numbers have gone through the roof. And one of the senators' poll numbers, and not this one, went down big. You saw that? You saw that, Mike? But Mike Lee is a brilliant guy. He's difficult. Whenever I sign bills, you know, we do sign a lot of legislation that's it's big and it's powerful, but it's sort of everybody has to approve it. And I see 99 to 1. 99 to 1. I say, don't tell me who's the one. Is it Mike? Yes. And he always has a good reason for it, too, by the way. But he is. He's incredible. And right at the beginning, he knew we were right, Mike. And I appreciate it very much. You're just fantastic. And say hello to the people of Utah and tell them, I'm sorry about Mitt Romney. I'm sorry. Okay? We can say that Mike Lee is by far the most popular senator from the state. But you've done a fantastic job, Mike, in many ways. In many ways. A young woman who I didn't know at all. But she's been so supportive, and I've had great support from other people in that state. And she's been so supportive, and she's been downright nasty and mean about the unfairness to the president. And Kelly Loeffler, I appreciate very much. Thank you. Great. She saw it very early on. And we have, uh, I don't know if we have other senators here, but we got a hell of a lot of congressmen. I'll go over them quickly. But they have, they have also been, uh, you know, it helped when we won 197 to nothing. That's got to be a first, Kevin, right? Is that like a first? The Republicans have this image 
See, I say Democrats are lousy politicians because they have lousy policy. Open borders, sanctuary cities, they have horrible policy. Who the hell can win? Oh, the new policy is raise taxes. They want to raise taxes. You know, all my life I wasn't in politics, but I'd say, if you're a politician, you want to say, we're going to lower taxes. They want to raise taxes. So they have open borders, sanctuary cities, raise everybody's taxes. Get rid of everybody's health care, 180 million people in the United States, and they're really happy. And we're going to give you a health care that's going to cost more money than the country could make in 30 years if it really does well. That's one year. So I've always said they're lousy politicians, but they do two things. They're vicious and mean. Vicious. These people are vicious. Adam Schiff is a vicious, horrible person. Nancy Pelosi is a horrible person. And she wanted to impeach a long time ago when she said, I pray for the president. I pray for the president. She doesn't pray. She may pray, but she prays for the opposite. <laughs> but I doubt she prays at all. And these are vicious people. But they do two things. They stick together. Historically, I'm not talking now. They stick together like glue. That's how they impeached, because they had whatever the number is, 220 people. So if they don't lose anybody, they'll be able to impeach anybody. You could be George Washington. You could have just won the war. And they say, let's get him out of office. And they stuck together, and they're vicious as hell. And they'll probably come back for more, but maybe not, because the Republican Party's poll numbers, Mitch, have now gone up more than any time, I think, since 2004, 2005. And you know what happened then? But in normal times, decades, you would call it. That was a little unusual time. It was for a very short period. Uh, the Republicans' party, party's poll numbers and Donald Trump's poll numbers are the highest I've ever had there. So maybe they were. It's no way to get your poll numbers up. It's not worth it. Because from my family standpoint, it's been very unfair for my family. It's been very unfair to the country. Think of it. A phone call. A very good phone call. I know bad phone calls. This is a phone call where many people, I think Mike Pompeo was probably on the call. Where's Mike? Mike Pompeo was on the call. Uh, many people were on the call. I know that many people. They even have a printi, bringing up an old favorite word of mine, the apprentice. They have a printi. They have people on these calls. And... I know there are many, when I speak to the head of a nation, and they have many people on. I mean, also, do you think they're just, in the case of Ukraine, he's a new president. He seems like a very nice person, by the way. His whole thing was corruption. He's going to stop corruption. We even have a treaty, 2001, 1999. It's a treaty, signed treaty, that we will work together to root out corruption in Ukraine. I probably have a legal obligation, Mr. Attorney, to report corruption. But they don't think it's corrupt when a son that made no money, that got thrown out of the military, that had no money at all, is working for $3 million up front, 83000 a month, and that's only Ukraine. Then goes to China, picks up $1.5 billion. Then goes to Romania, I hear, and many other countries. They think that's okay. Because if it is, is Ivanka in the audience? Is Ivanka? Boy, my kids could make a fortune. <laughs> they could make a fortune. 
It's corrupt. But it's not even that. It's just general corruption. And the other thing is mentioned in the call and something that I've told Mike Pence, our great vice president, I would tell him all the time. And I told him when he went on the trip because he was over there. He never mentioned anything about this when you had your meeting. It's a terrible thing. But I told Mike, I said, Mike, we're giving them money. And, you know, you're always talking about that because we have our country to build. We have our cities to build and our roads to fix. But we're giving them money. Tell me, why isn't Germany paying money? Why isn't France? Why isn't United Kingdom paying money? Why aren't they paying money? Why are we paying the money? Is that a correct statement, Mike? I say, find out what the hell's going on. And I told that to all of my people, OMB. I said, I asked that question. How much is Germany paying? Why isn't Germany paying? Why is the United States always the sucker? Because we're a bunch of suckers. But that's turning around fast. But it makes it harder when stuff like this happens. Because you want to focus. And you want to focus perfectly. Think what we could have done if the same energy was put into infrastructure, prescription drug prices. Think of what we could have done. And I'm now talking both sides. Think of what we could have done if we had the same genius, because it's genius. I will say it's genius on the other side, maybe even more so, because they took nothing and brought me to a final vote of impeachment. That's a very ugly word to me. It's a very dark word, very ugly. They took nothing. They took a phone call that was a totally appropriate call. I call it a perfect call, because it was. And they brought me to the final stages of impeachment. But now we have that gorgeous word. I never thought a word would sound so good. It's called total acquittal. Total acquittal. So. So I want to, uh, if I could, real fast, just introduce a few of the people. I have to start with, uh, I have to start with Kevin. Man, did you do a job. Lucky you're there. Lucky you're there. Because it wouldn't have worked out. If you don't have the right people, I'll tell you, Kevin McCarthy has done an incredible job. And he loves his job, and he loves his country. Tell you what, Mitch and Kevin, they love what they do. Now, Mitch wouldn't even tell you he liked it. Say, Mitch, do you like it? Mm, I don't know. It's, he's the greatest poker player, right? Kevin will say, I love it, right? And I will say that uh, you're going to be Speaker of the House because of this impeachment hoax. I really believe it. I really believe it. And I'm going to work hard on it. I'm going to try and get out to those Trump, those Trump areas that we won by a lot. And, you know, in 18, we didn't win. We just won two seats in North Carolina, two wonderful seats in North Carolina that were not supposed to be won. But I went and I made speeches and we had rallies and we did a great job and we won. We took two seats. Nobody writes about that. If we lost them, it would have been the biggest story of the year. But uh, we're going to go. We're going to do a job. And we're going to win a lot of seats. We're going to win a lot of seats. People are very angry that Nancy Pelosi and all of these guys, I mean, Nadler, I know him. 
much of my life. He's fought me in New York for 25 years. I always beat him. And I had to beat him another time. And I'll probably have to beat him again. Because if they find that I happen to walk across the street and maybe go against the light or something, let's impeach him. So I'll probably have to do it again because these people have gone stone cold crazy. But I've beaten them all my life. And I'll beat them again if I have to. But what they're doing is very unfair. Very unfair. So Kevin McCarthy has been great. So a few names, right? And there'll be a few you forget. If you want, you can raise and I'll say, great, love to have you, wonderful. But we're going to do the best we can. And I have my cabinet, but my cabinet's different. I appoint them. Okay. I didn't see all of them helping so much. You know, they were running their, their various bureaucracies, right? Now, my cabinet's great, and they're all here. But today is the day to celebrate these great warriors, right? These are great warriors. They really fought hard for us. And so I'll start Kelly Armstrong, North Dakota. Kelly, thank you. Great job. Great job. Jim Banks of Indiana. Jim, thank you. Great job. Andy Biggs. Where's Andy? Boy, oh boy, Andy. He got... There's a guy. He's tough. I hear we're doing well in Arizona, huh? It's going good, yeah? I think so. I think I saw a poll that was very good. For me, I think we have to make sure Martha's going to do. I think Martha's going to do good. But we have some states that are going to be uh, not easy. But Arizona's been great. And we're stopping illegal aliens from coming in. We're putting up walls. New Mexico, too, a state that's never been in play for Republicans, is totally in play. Right? Nevada's really looking good. We're, we're doing well. We're doing well. We're going to have a great... There's more spirit. I will say this. There's more spirit now for the Republican Party, by far, than the Democrats. You know, Mike Pence just got back from a place, a beautiful place, that Chuck Grassley knows well, Iowa. And he was talking about this fiasco, the Democrats... They can't count some simple votes, and yet they want to take over your health care system. Think of that. No, think of that. But we also had an election out there, and we got 98% of the vote. We have two people running, you know, and I guess they consider them non-people. But they are running. I mean, one was a governor. One was a congressman. They're running. We've got 98% of the vote. And everybody from the Media was saying, who are those crowds over there? You know, they expect it to be one of these competitive where everybody's running because they want to win, they want to win. And it was Trump, right, Mark Meadows? It was Trump. This was a Trump crowd. And a lot of, actually, a lot of my guys went there. They went to Iowa. And a lot of friends went there. And we had tremendous, uh, they say the spirit, the spirit for the Republican Party right now is stronger, I think, than it's ever been in the history of our country. I think it's stronger than it's ever been. And that includes honest Abe Lincoln. You know, a lot of people forget Abe Lincoln. I wish he were here. I'd give him one hell of an introduction. <laughs> but he was, uh, he was a Republican. Abe Lincoln, honest Abe. Bradley Byrne, Alabama. What a great place. Thank you, Bradley. A man who has been a, an unbelievable friend of mine and spokesman and somebody that that I really like. And I know, Kelly, you're going to end up liking him a lot. 
something's going to happen that's going to be very good. I don't know. I haven't figured it out yet. But Doug Collins, where is he? Where is Doug? You have been so great. Thank you very much, Doug. Thank you very much. Thank you. Really amazing job. A young man who is born with a great gene, because I know his father and how great a politician he was, but uh, he's from Florida. Sometimes controversial, but actually he's not controversial. He's solid as a rock, and he's a friend of mine, Matt Gates. Matt. Thank you, Matt. Thank you. Great job. All right. This guy. So, he's the NCAA, meaning a couple of years ago when he was in college, wrestling champion. NCAA. That's the big deal. That means in all of college, you're the champ. You're the best. His record was ridiculous. Nobody, would, nobody could beat him. And I see it. You know, every time I see it. When I first got to know him, Jim Jordan, when I first got to know Jim, I said, uh, huh, he never wears a jacket. <laughs> what the hell's going on? He's obviously very proud of his body. <laughs> and they say where he works out, you know, with the congressmen, senators, they work at, they say when Jim works out, even though he's not as young as he was, but they, he works out, the machine starts burning. Down. You know, it's just a different form of a workout than us, right, Sonny? And there he is. Look at that guy. But one day I'm looking. And it looks tough. And I'm looking, and I'm looking at those ears. And I say, those ears have something going on there. I said, did you ever wrestle? Yeah, I did. But he doesn't talk. But I checked. This guy was a world, this guy was a champion, top, top wrestler. And when I had the top, I had all of the teams. And by the way, uh, your Super Bowl champions are coming, I think, next week or soon, very soon. And they, every one of them want to be here. And the coach loves us. The coach is great. Andy Reid. And uh, every one of them want to be here. Uh, we have uh, — people love it. But we had all of the NCAA championship teams here. They had the golf, the basketball. The, they had every team here. And one of the teams was wrestling. The wrestling team. Was that Penn State? And Penn State won the title. They have a great team. And I walked up with Jim. And it's like I didn't exist. Those wrestlers, they grabbed him. They love Jim Jordan, and we love you, too, because you are some warrior. Ooh. Ooh. A woman who uh, became a star. We have a couple of women that became stars, you too. Real news. All right, everyone. Welcome back to the Tory Says Show. And you know what? Uh, we're just going to continue this amazing victory round that President Trump is right now delivering at the White House. Uh, so for all of you out there driving that aren't on YouTube, that aren't streaming it through social media and listening to me on your airwaves, I'm just going to continue it to the point where he was like Devin Nunes. So he's talking about Nunes. And, you know, Nunes is something that we should start discussing, too. Um, and that's because 2024 is creeping up unless we can give him eight more years. I mean, fair is fair. He didn't have his full four, did he? 
So here we go, continuing on with our fantastic president running that victory lap and saying thank you. That's so true, Devin. He'd come in and say, I didn't even know him. I just heard there were like, there was this congressman who kept going into a basement, into files. He knew something was wrong. You felt it, right? And now we know a lot more than we knew then, right? You never thought it was as bad as it is. And hopefully we're going to take care of things because we can never, ever allow this to happen again. Scott Perry of Pennsylvania. Scott, thank you. Thank you, Scott. Really great. And you're doing very well over there, by the way. Just so you numbers. A man who is a, a I mean, central casting. If I'm going to pick Perry Mason, I'm going to do a remake of Perry Mason. Other than Bill Barr, I'd pick this guy. But I have to say, I'll pick Barr. I'd pick Barr first, right? John Ratliff, right? But I have to tell you, if we're doing a remake of Perry Mason, the man I get, there's nobody in Hollywood like this, John Ratliff. <laughs> right? Stand up, John. So, such a great lawyer. Incredible guy, incredible talent, but just a great lawyer, and we appreciate it. He gets on that screen, and everyone says, I agree. The other side folds up so fast. We'll probably be using a lot of you in the next year. But you have been fantastic, John. We appreciate it. Thank you very much. A man who's braver than me and braver than all of us in this room, he got, he got whacked. He got whacked. My Steve, right? I went to the hospital with our great first lady that night. Right, honey? And we saw a man that was not going to make it. He was not going to make it. He was the doctor. And I told him, his wife, I said, she loves you. Why do you say that? Because she was devastated. A lot of wives wouldn't give a damn. <laughs> a lot of, a lot of wives, a lot of wives would have said, hey, yeah. I said, how's he doing? Oh, she couldn't even talk. She was inconsolable. Most wives would say, not good. Uh, listen, I'm going home now. <laughs> but the doctor came in. The wife is like, she was a total mess. She was really devastated. And it really looked like he had a 20, 25% chance. I think you said a record for blood loss. And Steve Scalise, I actually, honestly, I think you're better looking now. You're more handsome now. You, you weren't that good looking. You look good now. He looks better now. Can you believe it? I don't know what the hell that is. Sure. Better now. What a guy. And he was practicing. He was practicing for the baseball game against, I guess, the Democrats, right? And this whack job started shooting. Hurt Rogers. I don't know if Rogers here. But hurt a number of people. Hit him. But really hit Steve. Steve was at second base. He was the second baseman. And he went down, and, and it was terrible. I mean, I saw the whole thing, and it was terrible. Unfortunately, you had two brave policemen with you because of your high position in Congress. You had two policemen, and they were amazing. The man and the woman. And they came, and they didn't have rifles. They were against a supposedly pretty good sharpshooter with rifles, good equipment, and all they had was a gun. And 
they started coming in from the outfield shooting. And they're so far away that a handgun is not uh, preferred. And this guy has the rifle and he's hitting people. And he was going to move up and there was no out. I mean, if he would have been able to move up, there was no way to get out. The entrance was a single entrance way on the other side where he was. So everyone went into the dugout, ran into the dugout. But Steve was really hit badly in the stomach. And uh, with a bullet that rips you apart, he was supposed to do that. It rips, it rips you apart. And these two people came charging forward. Boom, boom, boom. And one of them, you know who? One of them, him, got the shooter, hit him, and then got him, killed him from long distance. It was amazing. If you didn't have those two people, you can imagine, right? You, you can imagine what would happen. So Melania and I went to the hospital that night, and he was in such bad shape, and he's been working ever since so hard. But six months ago, they had a baseball game at the National Spark, and I'm watching. And it's, it's on television. And it's just, you know, game people, you want to win it, right? And Steve's at second base. The poor guy can't even walk. Do you remember Bobby Richardson for the New York Yankees? He was known for range, Louis. Range. He had the greatest range. If a ball's hit the shortstop, Bobby Richardson's the second player, second baseman. Bobby Richardson would field the ball. If it's hit the first base, he'll throw it to the first baseman. He had unbelievable range. This was not Steve Scalise. <laughs> Steve had no range. One foot and he has to fall down, right? Because, you know, he was... Uh, tell your congregation that, and all of your people, that we have 350 million people in our country. They're proud Americans. And they respect what we're doing. Even those that you don't think so much uh, like us, respect us, want to be with us. All right, folks. So I just want to give a quick update. As you guys can see in the bottom left corner of your screen, that is live footage from the White House. So the footage has gone down. Um, I need to get on the White House stream. I always love to support alternate channels, not because I'm fussy, but I think those that actually um, put it out for us and um, spend their own time and money to put it together um, deserve our ears and our patronage, right? So I love Golden State Times. Um, I always uh, use them, but we're going to go to the White House so that way we can um, continue listening to the president. And I apologize for that. Um, but, you know, it's always supporting the others. Here we go. But you know what? We learned quickly. Here we go. And our country has never done better than it's doing right now. So it's pretty good. But thank you, Matt. Great. Say hello. So, so that's the story. We've been treated very unfairly. Fortunately, we have great men and women that came to our defense. If we didn't, this would have been a horrific incident for our country. When you have Lisa and Peter, the lovers, the FBI lovers, I want to believe the path you threw out for Deputy Director Andrew McCabe. That's the office. There's no way 
he gets elected, meaning me. There's no way he gets elected. This is Peter to Lisa. He's probably trying to impress her for obvious reasons. <laughs> There's no way he gets elected. But I'm afraid we can't take the risk. Now, think of this. In other words, if I get elected, they can't, they, two lowlifes, they can't take the risk. They can't take the risk. Think of it. And that's where it came up, the greatest word of all insurance policy. So he says, but I'm afraid we can't take the risk. She may lose. It's like an insurance policy. In the unlikely event, you die before you're 40. In other words, if I won, they were going to do exactly what they did to us. They were going to try and overthrow the government of the United States, a duly elected president. And if I didn't fire James Comey, we would have never found this stuff. Because when I fired that sleazebag, all hell broke out. They were ratting on each other. They were running for the hills. Let's see what happens. Let's see what happens. It's in the hands of some very talented people. We're going to have to see what happens. But I can tell you, in my opinion, these are the crookedest, most dishonest, dirtiest people I've ever seen. They said, this is struck. God, Hillary should win 100 million to one. This is about me. This is an agent from the FBI. Look how they let her off. 33,000 emails deleted. Nothing happens to her. Nothing happens. It's unbelievable. But think of that. God, Hillary should win one. These guys are investigating Hillary. Then they go to work for Mueller, the two of them. And when Mueller found out that everybody knew that they were 100% this way, he let them go. But they deleted all of their emails and text messages. So when we got the phone, they were all deleted. Could you imagine the treasure trove? They illegally deleted. So they left, they left Bob Mueller. He had the look, but he didn't have a lot of other things. Always had the look. Mr. G-Man. And I love the FBI, and the FBI loves me, 99%. It was the top scum, and the FBI people don't like the top scum. So think of that, 100 million to one, and he's investigating me. And then, God, Trump is a loathsome human being, isn't he? These are the people looking at me. I'm really not a bad person. And Paige said, yes, he's awful. How would you like to have that? This is just, this is the good stuff. This stuff, a hundred times worse than that. These are all dirty people. And now, I just heard that they're suing the United States of America. Because they were interfered with. Uh, not going to let it happen. It's not going to let it happen. We cannot let this happen to our country. Okay. So I'm going to leave now. And I don't know if any of you have anything to say. You could say it. But this is sort of a day of celebration because we went through hell. And I'm sure that Pelosi and Crying Chuck, I've known this guy all the time. The only time I ever saw him cry was when it was appropriate known him for a long time, crying Chuck. But I'm sure they'll try and cook up other things. 
They'll go through the state of New York. They'll go through other places. They'll do whatever they can. Because instead of wanting to heal our country and fix our country, all they want to do, in my opinion, it's almost like they want to destroy our country. We can't let it happen. Uh, Jim Jordan, did you want to say something? Go ahead. Huh? Mark? I just, I wanted to say that uh, this reflection today, it's a small reflection of the kind of support you have all across the country. This was a, a highly partisan situation. Pelosi said, I, I copied it down exactly, before the impeachment. She wanted to impeach from day one, by the way. Don't let it fool you. You know, she said, no, the impeachment is a very serious thing. I said, she wants to impeach. Watch. Impeachment is so divisive to the country that unless there's something so compelling and so overwhelming and bipartisan, Bipartisan. It was 197 to nothing. And other than one failed presidential candidate, and I call that half a vote because he actually voted for us on the other one. But we had one failed presidential candidate. That's the only half a vote we lost. So we had almost 53 to nothing. We had 197 to nothing. And the only one that voted against was a guy that can't stand the fact that he ran one of the worst campaigns in the history of the presidency. But she said, there's something so compelling, has to be so compelling and so overwhelming and bipartisan. I don't think we should go down that path because it divides the country. She was right about that. And it's just not worth it. That was Nancy Pelosi a year ago, right? And I think it's a shame. I think it's a shame. But as I said, if we can put this genius to work on roads and highways and bridges and all of the things we can do, prescription drugs. You know, we had Secretary Azar's here, and I want to thank him for this, but we had uh, first time in 51 years where drug prices actually came down last year. First time in 51 years. But what we can do working with both parties in Congress is would be unbelievable. It would be unbelievable what we can do. And I know Chuck Grassley is working very hard on it, and Mitch is working very hard on it. But what we can do is, is incredible. What we can do just generally. We've done so much without it. We've rebuilt our military. We've cut regulations at a level that nobody thought possible. We'll always protect our Second Amendment. We all know that. But I just want to tell you that it's an honor to be with you all. Uh, I want to apologize to my family for having them have to go through a phony, rotten deal by some very evil and sick people. And Ivanka's here and my, my sons and my whole family. And that includes Barron. That includes Barron, who's up there as a young boy. Stand up, honey. Ivanka, thank you, honey. Come.
So I just want to thank my family for sticking through it. This was not part of the deal. I was going to run for president, and if I won, I was going to do a great job. I didn't know that I was going to run, and then when I got in, I was going to have to run again and again and again. Every week, I had to run again. That wasn't the deal, but they stuck with me. And I'm so glad I did it, because we are making progress and doing things for our great people that everybody said couldn't be done. Our country is thriving. Our country is just respected again. And it's an honor to be with the people in this room. Thank you very much, everybody. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. So, everybody, that was the victory lap. That was saying thank you. But what he said in the end about his family is really, really important. And this kind of hits really close to home. See, he's okay with taking slings and arrows. He's okay with um, what someone may attack on him, just like I am for me. But the family, like some people are so relentless. They don't care about children. They don't care about your loved ones. The only They have no morals. It's like, all right, you can slay, 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 but don't bother the children. Don't bother the other people. Like, why are you involving them? So your father may have been some really vicious person. So does that define you? You know, this is how uh, the state of the health of our nation is. I mean, right now, the top trending item with over 54,000 tweets is the word Satan. This is trending under politics on Twitter. This is where we're at. Why? Because we said the Pelosi is praying for Trump. Um, the, the Right? But her God is probably Satan. 100 percent these people are evil when you see people telling you oh yeah you know i do this i expose bad things i got bad stuff i i'm just gonna you know support and take my oath and support the constitution no you don't because you don't have any morals you're the party that sat there mocking a 13 year old boy where are the morals nowhere that's the thing when you have no righteous baseline, you're a loser. You're corrupt. You're disgusting. And probably you're God's Satan. I agree. Because only evil people will do what they have done. A lot of people keep chanting four more years. Well, honestly, I think it should be another seven right? Um, eight years. But let's give them seven, you know, seven, the four, eight years shy a couple months. Because they stole his first term. His first term went from the phony Russia, 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 sexist, racist, Russia, Russia, recycling to the Mueller, to Ukraine. You mean all the things that they have done. They are terrified. Uranium one. They are terrified. Ukraine. They are terrified. USAID. Because it's all coming down to this. What the president did today was tell us what's to come. Because the best is yet to come. Horrific. Horrific. That we are in the, in, in the position where... Our law enforcement, our intelligence community cannot trust their leadership. That is a very big problem.
Because it's the rank and file that make things go. It's the rank and file that decide, yeah, okay, super crime, not a crime, harmless, forget it. Too much paperwork, let's get it on. Or, wow, found something. That's, those are the people that do it. The rank and file. Well, if you're superior or the head of the FBI or the head of the CIA or the head of the DNI, if all these idiots are corrupt and they're telling you, yeah, um, go after that, that person right there. She stole diapers six years ago when she was hungry. Go, 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 go get her. And you're like, but wait a minute. We have this guy that just transferred some data over to China. Um, yeah, don't look at that. We'll get somebody else. So you just do this. You know, you kind of think about it. You're like, wait a minute. What am I doing? IRS agents hunting down conservatives, they weaponized our laws, they weaponized our judicial system, and they weaponized your pain and hurt as the silver bullet to hurt you. Mm. This is what society's down to. It's over, guys. You lost. He's your president. He's going to be your president again. There's no way anyone would vote for any of the Democrats that you have now on the table for them to take. A mini mic won't be going anywhere. Warren. Mm. And now, you know, I see that they're re-canvassing the caucus in Iowa because they're not confident. Oh, you mean because Pete bought the delegates uh, or funded the software because Bernie won. So now what? They're just going to go all in with Bernie since he's going to die anyway and they'll just replace him, right? Because he's under the Democrat ticket. So they'll just make sure that his running mate, his VP, is the one that they want because they can control. Do you... Do you see the state of the health of this nation? We've just been relieved of this weight of this attack on our administration that was embarrassing on a global scale. And they continue relentlessly, relentlessly, which makes you think, why? Why are you so vicious? Why are you so nasty? Tell us why so nasty. What is it that you fear? There's so many people like that in this world. It makes you sad because they don't take into account what they do. I mean, Pelosi and the rest of them, they don't care. What about their troll armies behind them? You know, the ones that are still confused of where and what. I mean, even they're attacking their own people. So um, there's this actress, Jamil um, Jalil. Uh, she's on this show that I like to watch, um, The Good Place. Uh, and, you know, she was going to be on this show where it's like gays, trans, bisexuals, everything, where they go and like perform or something like that. They attacked her because she was straight, she's pretty, and she was like, well, I'm not, I'm queer, and because I'm like a brown person from South Asia, I don't like really put it out there, because, you know, that's not something I'm comfortable with, and they maimed the woman completely, like she was like, I'm getting off of Twitter, I'm, I'm done, because psychologically, they don't even think about the repercussions that their actions can do, they don't care, they just get some really, you know, nasty, you know, vibe and happiness from it, which makes you feel sick, right? It's sick. If you think about it, like, why would you be happy with someone else suffering? Are you happy that there's a kid somewhere in Ethiopia with no food? Are you happy, uh, you know, that some woman is being beaten somewhere around the world? Are you happy that some guy is getting, you know, 
maimed somewhere else. I mean, come on. These are real things. Reality. It's not all make-believe because it's online. It's reality. Uh, You know, people push people all the time. This was one of the biggest pushes against our nation. This was trolling on a global scale to all of us. And everyone should be angry. And this is a time where we get what we're due. Remember, yesterday's show, we heard Nadler ask, are there investigations? And yes, there are. After the break, we'll have a good analysis of what was said and a little bit more on the prayer breakfast that I started that we couldn't finish because he went live. And I know I have a lot of listeners that are working when they listen to me in their ears. They put the listen line. So I wanted you guys to hear it. See you in a bit. Uh, welcome back, everyone. So before we start this hour, I thought I wanted to play a song. Um, and I dedicate that to the United States of America. Uh, you know, we're never going to give her up, are we? And that's exactly what we were fighting for these past three years, the ability to take back America, to maintain America. So I thought maybe I could put you guys in a groove because all we were listening to was speeches and um, then break it down.
were dancing to this because I, I, you know, Rick Astley, I, I, I love his songs. Um, they're so upbeat and they just bring us a bit of joy. Uh, we should be joyous. We finally have the president we elected. We finally have him without any hands or feet tied. And like he said, he jaywalks. They'll go after him. You know, what's crazy is, is that what transpired and what they did to him, the crimes they committed, not just to him, but anyone that supported him, manufactured him for me. You can't even trust your law enforcement. You can't trust your prosecutors. You can't trust your judges. Right now, anyone that has been under attack for the past three years, especially those that have been supporting President Trump, both visibly, non-visibly, they've been attacked by the IRS and other arms to make sure they can muzzle them, beat them into submission. And to the president, they just got louder and louder because nothing, nothing would stop him because he had us. We are his army. We are the ones that stand behind him. And that's the reason they could not take it away. That is the reason they could not win. That is the reason that they have failed. And that is the reason that we will win again and again and again. Though, like I said a couple months ago, what we need to be focusing on is 2024 if we don't cash in the, hey, you stole my presidency, I want extra years chip. And I know a lot of people are all about Don Jr. I love John, Don Jr., but unfortunately, he's been compromised. That's a story for another time. I love him, though. And it's not like he's compromised him, uh, I would say, like himself-ish, right? But there have been placeholders in place from the previous people that President Trump has been talking about. And unfortunately, those haven't been determined yet. Well, no, they've been determined. It's just um, right now it's about... Um, uh, Making sure that, uh, how can I say this? Making sure that we can out them. There we go. That's it. Now, one thing um, I wanted us to hear the um, National Prayer Breakfast, but the one portion that's important is something that um, a reporter friend of mine, Chris Berg, uh, tweeted out. And I'm going to play that clip for you because it was the most important. And Pelosi was right there, so she got to hear it. I don't, I don't like people who use their faith as justification for doing what they know is wrong. Nor do I like people who say, I pray for you, when they know that that's not so. So many people have been hurt, and we can't let that go on. That's so true. That is so true. And you know, I've, I've talked about the power of prayer. I've talked about how important that is. The power of prayer. And the power of prayer is really, really important. Genuine prayer. So many of us, you know, strive every day to make ends meet, to, 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 to just exist. Some of us, some people are in such low places that they can't even lift their head up 
you know, without thinking it's a chore that they can't get out of bed without thinking, gosh, can I just go back to bed? Can this day be over? Why? How are they like this? We need prayer. We need to release everything to him. And you know, I I say this, but I'm also a victim of not doing it all the time when I'm anxious. You know, I get overwhelmed. I'm a mere human per se. So at that point, what do we do when we're, when our back is up against the wall, when the world around you is crumbling, when you're being, uh, you know, uh, when you have arrows being slung at you everywhere and you're just like, what did I do to deserve this? And you're down on your knees. Do you pray then? And then when others say that I will pray for you, do they really pray? And who do they pray to? That's the key here. Why are so many people getting hurt? Why are we letting this happen? Why are we letting evil run amok? This is not just a problem, you know, in the United States. It's globally. Why are we letting this happen? How is this happening? Where's it's 2020. We don't hang people in the square with popcorn anymore. We don't disembowel people. We don't behead them because God said so. We don't lash out and, you know, hand out 150 lashes to people. We've supposedly become more civilized and more compassionate. Yet the ones that are conservative that are the most compassionate are the ones that are getting the stiff of it. They're being attacked for being just that centrists. See, Republican. I I really don't like that word. I know that's the name of the party that are present, but he's more of a centrist. You guys, you got to have a middle ground. You can't just say, oh yeah, I'm totally, uh, you know, a Republican. Actually conservative would be good. And what does conservative mean? That you save some, you're, 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 you're a little bit more, um, meek to things. You're not like bullish, right? That you're not like attacking, right? You stand your ground. You're conservative. You know your boundaries. You know your limits. You know, that's what good centrists do. They're in the middle. They know their boundaries. They know what they do. So they're, in, in, in essence, conservatives. That's what a centrist is, is a conservative. For some reason, we think being conservative is like being backwards or being like what Pence pretends to be, right? We're not. The world has been overrun by evil. Sense it. Think about it. When have you seen little kids as vicious as they are now? When have you seen our youth, our, you know, if 15 to 25, so dumb. They're just dumb. And vicious. It's been a gradual installation of ripping apart anything that makes us human, that makes us good. That's what it is. That's simply what it is. You know, there was a portion of President Trump's speech that um, Joe M. actually put together. It's a three-minute video that he put together. I urge you guys to watch it. But it's titled The Best is Yet to Come. And it's three minutes and it has the best part of our president's speech. And I'd love you to hear it. Take a listen. America is a land of heroes. A place where greatness is born. 
where destinies are forged and where legends come to life. This is the home of Thomas Edison and Teddy Roosevelt, of many great generals, including Washington, Pershing, Patton, and MacArthur. This is the home of Abraham Lincoln, Frederick Douglass, Amelia Earhart, Harriet Tubman, the Wright brothers, Neil Armstrong, and so many more. This is the country where children learn names like Wyatt Earp, Davy Crockett, and Annie Oakley. This is the place where the Pilgrims landed at Plymouth and where Texas Patriots made their last stand at the Alamo. The American nation was carved out of the vast frontier by the toughest, strongest, fiercest, and most determined men and women ever to walk on the face of the earth. Our ancestors braved the unknown, tamed the wilderness, settled the Wild West, lifted millions from poverty, disease, and hunger, vanquished tyranny and fascism, ushered the world to new heights of science and medicine, laid down the railroads, dug out the canals, raised up the skyscrapers. Our ancestors built the most exceptional republic ever to exist in all of human history, and we are making it greater than ever before. This is our glorious and magnificent inheritance. We are Americans. We are pioneers. We are the pathfinders. We settled the new world. We built the modern world. And we change history forever by embracing the eternal truth that everyone is made equal by the hand of Almighty God. America is the place where anything can happen. America is the place where anyone can rise. And here, on this land, on this soil, on this continent, the most incredible dreams come true. This nation is our canvas, and this country is our masterpiece. We look at tomorrow and see unlimited frontiers just waiting to be explored. Our brightest discoveries are not yet known. Our most thrilling stories are not yet told. Our grandest journeys are not yet made. The American age, the American epic, the American adventure has only just begun. Our spirit is still young. The sun is still rising. God's grace is still shining. And my fellow Americans, the best is yet to come. See, when he gave the State of the Union speech, it would have been great if we had that background music, right? Because then everyone would have stood still and shed a tear like most of us were. I mean, it was a Kleenex moment. It was perfect. It was perfection. It was the most historic State of the Union address ever given by any president. And I say that with no restraint. Our president has done so much to maintain this nation, has pr 
propped up and held uh, every single American in every little corner. You think he can't see the woman in her apartment in Chicago with three kids struggling and yet she's really trying? You think he can't see it? Of course he can. Now, tomorrow I wanted to tell you guys, we're going to talk about Medicare and we're going to talk about health care. And we're going to break this down because, um, so my first, uh, I would say appeals that I've put in were to the department of justice that I've been doing for many, many years in regards to state recovery. I, I, I had a whole show about uh, state recovery, but what I'm seeing right now is now is president Trump is, um, you know, forcing them to expose their billing procedures forcing them to stop having these secret deals behind closed doors. The people that are getting the brunt, so where they're still cashing in, they're cashing in, and corrupt states are doing this like nobody's business, man. Thanks a lot for Obamacare. We really need to nix that ASAP. Right after the election, we need that gone. I mean, you know, unless Ruth Bader Ginsburg, again, has her seasonal cancer, you know, it appears like at the end of the summer and then they tell us about it in like October. It's happened consistently for three years now. Like, where was she anyway for the State of the Union? I'm just saying. But they're targeting our over 65 population. Like, I have never, ever seen, and I'm telling you this from, you know, the, the work that I do, like paying work, because you know, not a lot of people know, like I'm funded and supported by my listeners. Okay. Um, not only on the radio, but what I do like websites and writing articles. So I actually have a paying job as well. And one thing that I, um, assist in, uh, is doing stuff. Okay. I'm going to say it like that, uh, for people uh, that are over 65, uh, well, I don't do stuff for them. Okay. So I do it for government agency. Let's do it like that. Okay. But what I've noticed is like my report as it's coming together is that we're having severe issues with how we are tackling helping them. So when you're over 65, nine times out of 10, you're taking an average of two medications at a minimum, oh, sorry, of two medications with an average of, listen to this, six different medications. And so this elderly population that's on a fixed income on Social Security, and Social Security, unless you worked for like, you know, railroads or were in the military, you know, it's pretty bad. Your retirement's really bad. Unless you've saved your own, it's really bad. People get $500, $600. How do you live off of $1,000? You can't like I, I yesterday, all I did was put gas and get um, some asparagus and fruit for today to cook. And, you know, there's a hundred dollars and you're just like, mm. so I'm thinking like, how are they making ends meet? Because 
in January, they're supposed to give birth to their deductibles uh, being on Medicare, which is get this. You pay, um, you know, $100 off the bat and then you go into the deductible stage, which you have to pay another $500 for your meds. And then after that, they're only going to pay 15% until you've spent like $1,500 out of your pocket. And then you go into the co-pays where you get your medicine for like a copay of $3, $5, a dollar or $0. And then they have the medicines that they've organized into tiers that is excruciatingly high. So they're like, yeah, maybe your doctor can change your medicine. No, you're not a doctor insurance. Why are you telling the doctor to change them from this to that? We're going to have a full blown conversation with, um, real cases, um, that I've studied for my report. And, you know, this time my report is going to uh, the White House. It's going to Health and Human Service, um, um, Human Services and the Attorney General because the scam is getting worse. These people can, it, it, it's, it's not sustainable at all. You have someone that just came out of surgery and they have to take this medication and you're just like, maybe you need to get a generic. There is no generic. Yeah, well, then your copay is $443 for a 30-day supply. And you're just like, how am I going to have that money? I only got $500. Do I not eat? Do I not have lights on my house? You know, can I not pay for the power? I, You know, what do I do? Yeah. So maybe you can call the pharmaceutical company. But you're still going to have to pay, you know, that amount, blah, blah, blah. That's horrific. So again, too many people are suffering while very few are making tons of money. It's, it's so horrible. And you know, the one thing that doesn't have big copays are opioids. <laughs> believe that, right? Opioids, opioids, diabetics, right? Diabetics. Gosh. They're strips, $150 for a one month supply. Like, how are they going to do that? Is it their fault that their Delta cells don't work in their pancreas? Gosh, it's horrible. The state of our union from what the president is, we're getting better. We have achieved so much. It is horrific for us to go backwards. And this is where we're going to be plowing forward. And, you know, he did a great thing to not touch health care until his second term. Even though healthcare is important, without your health, you have nothing, which by the way, I wanted to wish a very, very big happy birthday. Happy birthday to Millie Weaver. I hope God blesses her with many more healthy and happy years to come. Uh, you know, I am so upset, so upset. Um, it's just horrible that. I can't be with her. I'm very upset about that because I wish I could be with her to celebrate her birthday. She's a wonderful human being. And to all you guys, you know, that are my listeners, when I find out it's your birthday, I'm calling you out too. Anyway, so it's a, it's a, it's a bittersweet day for me today because I really wanted to be with her for her birthday and celebrate it with her. Um, but you know, she's celebrating, the whole nation is celebrating with her. February 6th will be known as national, well, February 5th will be known as National Acquittal Day, right? So it'll be the eve of uh, that day. But <sighs> National Acquittal Day, you guys, seriously, that is awesome. We have a National Acquittal Day. I think it is the day that we took down the Democratic Party. That's what I think. That's important. Very, very important. So on that note, 
I wanted to just, do I say it though? Just say, yeah, there's something coming down the pipeline in regards to John Kerry and Barack Hussein Obama. And I have a clip that I'm going to play that's important for you to listen to, um, which is pretty, pretty heavy. Take a listen. Is it playing? I will tell you, because as Secretary of State, I was deeply involved in this. All of us in the administration were trying to get rid of that prosecutor. From Obama to the Secretary of State to the Vice President, all of us were working on that. The ambassador, and, and we knew if Ukraine was going to survive and win the revolution in the end, the Maidan, they had to get rid of that prosecutor, and they did. I will tell you. So there's John Kerry admitting it, that they were trying to get rid of the prosecutor in the Ukraine, the prosecutor that was going after Hunter Biden. So just stay tuned on that. And tomorrow we'll talk about Medicare. I'll have that report, um, you know, without, you know, identifying information, of course. And we'll talk about that and talk about what's coming for healthcare and how we're going to get it done in 2020. On that note, I want to wish you guys a fabulous evening. God bless from all of us here at Red State. I'll see you tomorrow, same time, same place.